everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing our three-part Lost Hero finale bonanza, part two. This time, it's almost the end, but not quite. How are you doing today, Jane? So... Does it, is it just a finale bonanza if we're just like in the last couple of episodes for a book? I mean, I think specifically because we're doing more chapters. Oh, that's true. I, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, how am I doing today? I'm doing all right. I I have spent most of my evening watching clips from the uh, prologue for the new Gundam series. Is that the, the witch in glass or whatever the witch from mercury it looks so fucking good it does i am extremely pleased that it's all 2d animated yes was iron-blooded orphans uh how how, was there a lot of 3d in that no iron-blooded orphans was also like the ships were 3d models but the uh mechs were entirely 2d animated Ooh, okay which is part of why the fights in that show are so fucking good hell yeah yeah, I was worried because a lot of the uh, Universal Century stuff that's come out between I Am Blooded Orphans and now uh, has used 3D models, and they never look good. Sad. Sad. How are you today, Jacqueline? I'm doing okay. I'm finally done with my... I'm finally done with three exhausting days of work, uh... and I'm going to enjoy my day off, and I am simply vibing is what I'm doing. I'm glad. But Jane, I heard from a little birdie that you decided to write us some chapter summaries this week. You heard from the dove? The dove of Aphrodite, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did write some summaries. They are not very long because these chapters are also not very long. Chapter 47, Leo. As the gang fly towards the wolf house, Jason fills the other two in on the building's history. It was apparently built by a writer named Jack London, son of Mercury, who never attended Camp Half-Blood. The site of the Wolf House was apparently both sacred to some demigods and cursed, which is why the house burned down almost immediately, and the ruins stand there to this day. Jason now also remembers that it was where he discovered that he was a demigod. He now knows that the site is soaked in enough weird ancient magic that if Hera is sacrificed and Porphyrion rises there, it might be enough to fully wake Gaia. Leo has a moment of doubt in himself, worrying that the stakes are too high for someone like him to be of any real help, exacerbated by Piper and Tristan's reunion digging up painful memories of his mother. Shortly after, Jason passes out to get some rest. Piper and Leo are quietly worried that his memories might coming back might make him unstable, or even turn out to be a different person entirely. However, they conclude that after everything they've been through, they trust him, no matter what. Chapter 48, Leo The wolf house is surrounded by a snowstorm which almost immediately bodies the helicopter, but the trio manage to bail before it explodes, finding themselves in the middle of a pitched battle between the hunters of Artemis and various monsters, including Lycaon's wolves and more six-armed ogres. Thalia rushes up to greet them and tells them that things are dire. The hunters easily took the wolf house, but now they're being besieged by monsters that are reforming almost as fast as they're killed. They can't free Hera, and Thalia is increasingly sure that this was all a trap. She leads them inside, where Jason almost collapses, memories of being ditched here by his mother flooding back to him, and being taken in by Lupa. There's no time to dwell on that now, though. They finally reached Hera. She's still trapped in her weird cone pillar, and the other opaque pillar is growing by the second as it leeches her power. At sundown, Porphyrion will break free, and Hera will be offered a choice marry him or be consumed by the earth. Leo fruitlessly tries to break the cage's mechanism but realises it's not a machine, it's a piece of Gaia. Unfortunately, before he can do anything with that information, a new wave of monsters arrive, freezing the hunter solid, including Thalia. The group is led by Kion? Kion? I don't know. I'm going with Kion. Goddess of Snow and Daughter of Boreas. Chapter 49 Jason. Kion reveals that she was the one who lured Hera, controlled Aeolus, and tricked Zeus into sealing Olympus, with her influence being carried on the wind and into their ears. She had wanted to kill the demigods back in Canada, but couldn't once her father offered them safe passage. 
She plans to topple him and take his throne once her new mates, the giants, are fully returned. To that end, she also sent a bunch of snowstorms to slow the kids down, including the one which killed Festus. The final stroke of her plan is to kill Jason, Piper and Leo, and leave their bodies in such a way that it'll look like they killed each other on sacred ground, triggering a war between the Roman and Greek demigods to keep them distracted. Before the fight begins in earnest, she hints that Porphyrion's plan isn't just to attack Olympus directly, it's to destroy the roots of the god's power by going all the way to Greece. Chapter 50. Jason. Jason tames a wind horse named Tempest as he rides around, smacking monsters with a chunk of wood while Piper slits up ogres with her knife. Leo, meanwhile, goes toe-to-toe with Kion and wins, using his fire powers to force the ice goddess to run for it. However, it's not over yet. The earth is pulling Hera down as it takes more of her power. Leo gets Piper to charm-speak the cage to try and lull Gaia back to sleep. Unfortunately, while it slows down Gaia's consumption, they're too late. As sunset arrives, the other pillar shatters and Porphyrion is reborn. Jason tries to distract him with a round of boasting while the forge and the dove break the cage, goading the giant into monologuing about his plans. Kidnapping Hera is the opening shot in the war, and destroying the gods at their roots in Greece. He and Jason punch for a bit before Leo and Piper finally free Hera, and she transforms into her true form, essentially nuking the whole area and sending the giant king running, and frying Jason who didn't look away in time. Chapter 51. Piper. The hunters are thawed and the monsters quickly vanquished, but Jason is dead as a doornail. And then Piper seemingly charm speaks his soul back into his body from the underworld. Thali and Jason agree to have a proper catch up later at Camp Half Blood, and the hunters head off. Hera continues to dance around the specifics of how the Roman demigod thing works, to my intense annoyance, but she does, however, explain that she has an excuse for spitefully forcing Jason's mother to sell him, claiming that it would have been dangerous to have a child of Zeus and Jupiter together in the same family. Nobody buys this, and Hera agrees to teleport the trio back to Camp Arthur to wrap this up, dropping them into the middle of a campfire jamboree. So, Jacqueline, what did you think of these chapters? Uh, you know, this is really interesting. I especially, like, I'm so interested in all of the, like, real-life connections. I'm going to actually, like, right now, I'm going to go to uh, Wikipedia, uh, Jack London, because I really want to look into this uh, this this wolf house, and... Uh-huh. Uh, scrolling down uh oh oh inter- oh views on race uh let's see uh shortly after boxer jack johnson was crowned the first black world heavyweight champ in 1908 london pleaded for a great white hope to come forward to defeat johnson writing jim jeffries must now emerge from his alfalfa farm and remove that golden smile from jack johnson's face jeff it's up to you the white man must be rescued and what's this under views on race? Views on eugenics. Oh, interesting. Uh, he seems to have written extensively about uh, the need for uh, racial purity and stuff like that. Although Wikipedia notes that his, his news weren't that extreme because uh, they weren't as horrible as some other modernist writers. How interesting. Uh, I like these <laughs> chapters quite a bit. Apart from that, yeah, these chapters are good. I guess broadly, my thoughts on this is like, this is what I would have wanted out of, I guess just like a head-to-head battle like if we're talking the final battle i think this works really well yeah and what we were saying when we were underwhelmed by the last battle was like you know hopefully this is just underwhelming because we're building up to something bigger later and it turns out we were yeah uh did anything in particular jump out at you as like something that you really enjoyed here i mean there are a few things my first is that i think just like porphyrion is great he's not He's like a type of villain that we've encountered before, but magnified quite a bit to make him feel unique. Also bigger. He's also bigger. Uh, no, but like him being bigger is part of it. Like the way that he's described as like having his own like magnetic field around mm-hmm. him. Like that's, that's, I don't know. That's fucked up. That's scary. Uh, and I just, I, I quite enjoy everything going on Porphyrion, basically. Like, his, his, like, very casual attitude. Like, like, when he's like, oh, so we're boasting, I see. Like, that, just like we did in olden times. Like, I think that's really good. You sly dog, you got me monologuing. Yeah, it's a little monologuing, but I also just like, oh, like, I don't know, Jason 
this like fits to me because to me Jason is like a very traditional like hero type. Um, and so him just like engaging in a boasting contest, which is like, like yeah, that is that is a thing for the myths. Like that's awesome. Like I think that's I think that's great. Yeah, we've mostly been getting the downsides of Jason being that kind of hero so far, but here we get the upside, which is that uh, he can do like weird cool old-fashioned stuff like this and it doesn't feel that out of left field for his character like if percy did something like this there would be a whole bit about him like feeling awkward about it and having it be like shoved into doing it by annabeth or something but jason just fucking goes for it jason's fire on all cylinders in these chapters honestly yeah definitely this is we, we're getting everything that we wanted from jason we get cool ride around on a horse smack things with a plank we get memories coming back. We get cool boasting. I mean, let us be clear. If you're the protagonist of a Rick Riordan myth novel, if you're a if you're a pretty good protagonist, you should have a horse. I, yeah, no, this is simply true. Did the did either of the Canes have any variety of horse? No, but one of them did have a Horus. Oh fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> Jacqueline, Jacqueline. Uh huh. You are a treasure. Thank you. Anyway, yeah, they had they had camels, which I guess are just objectively worse in the ride and hierarchy. That's true. What were your feelings on these chapters overall? Uh, they were definitely better than the last set. I don't think they like blew me away or anything like that. But I think they just kind of did what they needed to to get shit wrapped up. mm Hmm. Oh, uh, one thing that's really good in these chapters uh, is the relationship between Thalia and Hera. Because we've, we've never really seen these two interact before. But the, the impression that we get here of their relationship feels so natural and feels pre-established. Uh, and it, it just it makes sense with like what we know about how Hera regards children of Zeus... And also the stuff that Thalia explains about how much of a bitch Hera has been to one of her friends. Yeah. So I, I, I just really like the portrayal of that relationship and it kind of sliding very neatly uh, into a black spot in like, the canon. Agreed. Like, this is one of those things that just immediately feels like, yeah, this is, this is of course, happening from the, the larger tapestry of the stories that's been told so far. Yeah, we, we didn't see a lot from Thalia's point of view once that statue fell on her in Last Olympian, but I imagine it involved a lot of cursing Hera. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, yeah, I I think that's great. Uh, Hera, Hera is like, she's so, I don't know, she, she's, she's, a, she's a piece of work, all right. Hera takes L after L in these chapters, and it is consistently very funny. Yes. Like... Her her chosen champions finally appear to save her, and the first thing that happens is that Leo immediately starts taking the piss out of her. Uh-huh. It starts, like, she explains the, the life-draining thing, and how her power is being leached for Porphyrion, and Leo is like, oh, so you're like a heat lamp or some compost or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Leo is fucking hilarious. Uh, there, there's a really good bit where, like, they're doing the action team, like, everyone grabs their weapons, like, like, uh, Piper grabs her dagger, Jason grabs a wooden plank and wields it menacingly, and Leo grabs some breath mints because he's nervous, <laughs> and stuffs it back into his tool belt in hopes that nobody saw, uh, and then the next chapter opens with Jason being like, "Oh God, we're all gonna fucking die." Even Leo is out here thinking he de- he can defeat the army of darkness with breath mints. I just think that is so good. It's very good. I'm glad that Leo has uh, shot up so much in our estimation since the start of this book. Yeah, yeah. I I I, f- I feel like I've identified something that may be a bit contentious between us already. Okay. You're you're getting just sort of more annoyed with like the the mystery of it all. Uh, I I would say so, yeah. I feel like, I don't know, I'm sure it'll be revealed in the last five chapters, but it feels like all the pieces are on the board at this point. 
Like, it's not it's not even a case where a reveal would be, like, giving the one piece of information that would make it all slot together. Like, the information is all here, it's just not been arranged properly yet. Right. I think that's that's what's annoying me about it. I guess I don't think that's a problem. Like, I... Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like... To me, it doesn't feel like the book is, like... Pl- like... I don't know. To me, it doesn't feel like the book is like winking at us too much, like being like, oh, there's the wonder what this mystery is. Like it's giving us the clues in what feels like a very natural way for the characters arcs. Uh, Uh Specifically, like I think this works really well with Jason, who is like, I think some of the mystery stuff happening here, like specifically him, uh, like just sort of recalling his like, I don't know. He's like, oh, I'm the consul of the children of Rome, like all that shit. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that like says a lot and works very naturally. And there's a lot of that going on in this chapter that I think works well. Yeah. I mean, that definitely makes sense. I don't don't know. I can't really pin down what it is. It's just kind of making me lose patience with the way that this mystery is being written. That's fair. It's not, I mean, you know, not everything can work for everyone. This is true. Although, uh, something that did work in these chapters, uh, and I, I breathed a sigh of relief when this happened, Jason remembered that he can fly. Yes. He did. He flew around while he was fighting the giant, and I was very pleased that he managed to do that 50% of the time. Yeah, I mean, he even did it while he was fighting the fucking Tempests, the Storm Spirits or whatever. Yeah. And like I, I, I audibly like cheered. I thought of you uh, when, when I saw him like jump into the air to avoid one of them. I thought that was great. Like, yeah, I, what happened? <laughs> Did he just? Rick, Rick was saving it all for this. Uh huh. Because there's only a limited number of times you can let a char- character use their power. Yeah, he's, he's he's only got a limited number of mana slots to use in a day. Yeah, Piper has, like, unlimited because she took that bonus, but, like, uh, Jason <laughs> Jason can only do this, that action a few times a day. Like, uh, no, speaking of Piper, though, I guess, like, this kind of build to, like, we were talking about how her charm speak really just felt like it could do anything. Yeah. And here is, I guess, what that was leading to, which was her literally putting the earth back to sleep with her voice. She Fuck, fuck, she's doing ASMR. <laughs> oh, God. She learned from... Oh, what the fuck was his name? The Child of Hypnos. Oh, oh, my God. Um, I almost said Silena, no. What was his uh, name? He, I remember the thing described him as looking like a baby calf or something. Yes, I don't oh my god. His name. I can't believe I forgot his name. My favorite character in The Lost Hero. Nope, the episode where we talk about him, Clovis. the only reference is Clovis, that was it. Yeah, she was taking lessons from Clovis, and that's what this has all been building up to. Yeah. Um, god, I, I can't unsee that now. <laughs> Thanks a lot. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Piper mind-controlling the Earth is very cool. What are your thoughts on the action more generally here? I don't know. I would say that it's mostly, like, serviceable. Like, nothing, again, like my general opinion on these chapters. Nothing particularly mind-blowing, but definitely better than the fight scene we got in the last set. What do you you think? I largely agree. Like, I think that... (laughs) Moment to moment, I think it worked really well. Like, at least every, like, set piece had at least one or two, like, interesting or, like, cool little bits in it. Like, I think that everyone fighting their own... Oh, we haven't even talked about Kaini very much. But, like, I, I especially liked just, like, Leo fighting her and going fucking full flame mode. I thought that was cool. That is very, I, I do love to see Leo uh, using his power that he believed was a curse and would get him rejected by his friends to literally go toe-to-toe with a god to save his friends. Yeah, it's awesome. It's the best. That's that's like what stories need to be. That's what every story should be. It should be about <laughs> Leo turning, setting himself on fire. And oh, Leo. Yeah. Oh, man. I Imagine if that power, like you could set yourself on fire once. I mean, you'd have to use it to do, like, a prank, right? <laughs> Wait, like, a fucking, like... I 
I'm going to kill myself in front of all of you to change the tra- tra- to tra- change the trajectory of your, of your lives. I meant more like going on fucking Britain's Got Talent or something and pretending <laughs> to self-immolate. Oh God! <laughs> you make a political statement. No, like <laughs> I guess if you can only do it once, you have to go out really like you have to really go out in a bang. Exactly. It's Wait, like are you saying like you have the power to set yourself on fire once and survive, or just you have the power to set yourself on fire once? Because everyone just... has that second power. No, yeah, but like you can do it like as a superpower. Uh huh. I see. You, you just also die afterwards because you were on <laughs> fire. Okay, so it's it's a terrible superpower where it's just you don't need a jerry can and a lighter. It's like the it's like the uh, the X Men comic worst X Man ever. About the kid who finds out his superpower is that he can explode once. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, and one, a bit that I really... <laughs> Wait, but what do you think, like, the Camp Half-Blood equivalent of that is? Oh, of God. Just, like, the, the most awful, shittiest power that is just, like, kneecapping you? It's, I mean, is it, is it something from, like, one of the minor gods, or is it just, like, a hidden facet of one of the major gods that we just haven't thought of? I mean, off the top of my head, I think, like, if, if you're, like, a child of Nemesis, your power is just that people hate you, right? You got, like, the Nemesis system from the fucking Lord of the Rings video game <laughs> constantly happening. Just people approaching you and doing a five-minute speech, and then you kill them, and they turn up again in ten minutes. Uh-huh. Or like, uh, oh man, or like, I mean, I guess it's like a good superpower, but like, what if like you were a child Demeter, so just like every, all the cereal you had tasted really good? That is a pretty neat power. Maybe like, maybe it's like Kyoen's kids, and that's why she's so pissed off, is that they have the power to freeze themselves solid once. <laughs> oh man, that would be good. That would be so good. <laughs> yeah, I I guess we need to talk about Kyanese role here. <sighs> You're mad because it's not Kronos. If I had a nickel for every time I got excited and thought that we were we were gonna see Kronos again, and then it turned out to be something unrelated, I would have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Uh-huh. This is not Rick's fault. This no. is my fault, but I'm mad anyway. I understand. And I will let it color my opinion of the chapters. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Let it out. Vent, vent to me. Vent to the audience. I, the way that Kaini, like, the way it makes sense that she, like, you know, she's a goddess of the wind, so she puts her whispers on the wind and it, like, inflatable. But he didn't have to make it sound so much like how Kronos did it. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is the cool way that Rick Riordan likes to describe how villains influence people kind of blends together sometimes. That's true. I guess Apophis also did this. Yeah, like I know we were we were reaching for the differences between Apophis and Kronos a lot, but I think uh-huh. we were reaching at that point. Yeah, probably. But I honestly agree with you. Like it would have been cool, but at the same time, you're right. It makes perfect sense. Everything about it is like, oh, this is a pretty good reveal. I think the reason I just like didn't think about it is because. To, like they 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 crashed into Midas's place or whatever like immediately after leaving. I yeah. just assumed like oh yeah she's had her revenge it's over. Yeah, which I guess is kind of silly because like if a character like vows to get vengeance upon you basically, it's probably not gonna be done in the book by the next chapter. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. I- She's such a weird pick for the twist villain reveal at the end of the book. Because she was basically nothing. She just kind of stood in the corner while they were talking to Boreas and looked hot. And Leo simped a little and then they left. And that was it. I think if Rick played this less as a twist, it would work better. Yeah, I I agree. Because it is presented like a reveal. Yeah, and it feels like, oh yeah, this is just a natural continuation of the story. But, like, they have Leo listing out, like, wait a second. We crashed in a snowstorm. And <laughs> and Festus's wires were frozen. It was all you. And it's like, yeah, dude, no shit. I'm pretty sure you concluded that at the time. 
yeah, like I don't know. It, it kind of just maybe seems... his head when Fest is crushed. That's very, <laughs> that's very possible. Oh man, poor Leo. Yeah, <laughs> like I really just don't. That I think that's the main problem with it for me. Like I think it's pretty okay, but if it was just if it was not drawn as a twist, it'd be better. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. It it feels like. Just, just on paper, comparing it to like the Ares twist in book one, where like Ares shows up as an incidental character and then turns out to be the main villain later, but he had much more of an impact on the main story before that happened. Mm-hmm. So it actually felt significant when he turned up again. Definitely. Whereas Kion was just kind of someone who was floating around. Yeah, yeah. I have to praise something. I really like this. I really like how simple the solution to the prophecy is. Yeah, I guess for once the Oracle wasn't fucking them around. Like, it seems like it's as easy as, like, oh, yeah, the dove and the dove and the fucking hammer or whatever it was will destroy the cage. Yeah, they sure did. Like, and (laughs) it's played off so easily, too. Like, Piper Charm speaks, which she's been doing the whole book, and Leo gets out a power saw and cuts the cage open. (laughs) (laughs) Incidentally, uh, when when he does that, he, like, plugs his power saw into um, Jason's new magical storm horse to get some electricity into it. Uh, I was deeply, deeply disappointed that the joke was not that Leo had to put the plug up the horse's ass. That would never be the joke. It would no. It would never make it into a fucking Disney published kids book. But I think it would be funny because I'm fucking twelve. That's understandable. Did you ever watch the Power Rangers 2017 movie? I never got around to it. The opening, the opening bit is like Jason. Oh, also Jason. Holy shit. I, I was uh, confused for a second there. Yeah, Jason, uh, fuck, what's his name? It, I, I, I can only think of Jason Grace. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> Argonauts. Jason, uh, fuck, does he have a last name? Okay. There's Tommy. There's Tommy. There's Billy. There's Jason Lee Scott, is I think his name. Known misogynist Jacqueline does not know any of the female Power Ranger names. No, it's it's Trini. There's Trini Kwan <laughs> and there's Kimber, Kimberly. Um, <laughs> why did I have such a hard time saying Kimberly? <laughs> Kimberly. Like I'm a fucking alien trying to figure out whether to use Krebit or Dedit at the store. <laughs> We're breaking anyway. down. I'm fucking having a disaster here. Anyway, the opening scene has Jason, um, like, go to a, like, he's, because they're delinquents in that movie. So he breaks into, like, a farm, and he's like, haha, I'm gonna milk the cow. And he milks the cow. And then afterwards, uh, some, whoever is with him is like, hey, dude, I think that's a male cow. Uh, why does it only have one udder, etc.? Putting the plug in the horse's butt is the same level as Jason jerking off a bull at the beginning of Power Rangers 2017 to me. I see. This is where I'm at. Yes. That is a movie that I gave five stars in Letterboxd, so you're you're five stars to me. Hey, you know what's kind of weird? What's that? Leo uh, sitting in the helicopter thinking about how much it sucks that his mom is dead. Uh, and how heart-wrenching it was to kind of see that reunion between Piper and her dad. And not, like, talking about this with the other person in the helicopter who recently found out that his mom was dead. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, I don't even have anything in particular specific that I want from that conversation. I just feel like it's weird that it didn't happen. Was that when Jason was asleep? Uh, Jason is awake for the first half of the helicopter ride and then is asleep for uh, the last half hour before they crash. Right. Yeah, that's... That is a bit strange. Like, that does seem like it would come up. I guess maybe Leo has enough wherewithal to, like, (laughs) not make this about himself right now. That's very true. I guess it's weird that we didn't get, like, a scene where maybe Piper is asleep and they talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Because what it ends up becoming is just this another scene of like, I'm worried that Jason might be someone other than what we know. 
which we've, we've, we know that they're worried about that already. I like how even the characters at this point are sick of talking about this and they're just like, yeah, no, it's probably fine. <laughs> yeah, no, that is that is actually a satisfying layer for this conversation to end. No, it is good. Yeah. I, do we want to actually talk about like the Jack London stuff? Uh, I, I'll be honest, my, my, the full extent of my knowledge of, oh, do you mean like in the book? Yeah. Yes, we should do that. Uh, no, I, we, we can, we can touch on real world stuff as well, but mostly I meant in the book. Okay, uh, I got it. What, what's happening here? This is fascinating because it feels like they're trying to establish like a new mythology, like a, like a, like a new, this seems like part of Rick Riordan's, I guess something that's been going on since the first book, but just like his attempts to like create a new pantheon of American heroes, I guess. Yeah. With like George Washington being son of Athena and shit. Yeah. And it's so strange to me. I don't know. Like there's, this has never been a part of the series that has worked for me. And this more than anything feel like the Jack London is a son of Mercury and is like his like burned down mansion became, which uh, was apparently part of a place that was called beauty ranch. Uh, I, I found out uh-huh. while this up, uh, which is, you know, glad we mostly just called it wolf house. <laughs> uh, like this, the fact that like his burned down mansion is like a rite of passage for all what seem like like the Roman demigods or whatever is strange to me. I don't get it. Is it because it's called Wolf House and so the wolf is there? My my theory is that um, Rick Ryden likes to travel around America visiting the houses of like dead celebrities who he finds interesting uh, and then finds an excuse to put them in his book so that he can have the characters visit that location. No, so that's he one hundred percent went to the, the this house at some point because he like enjoyed a Jack London book or something, and this also explains why fucking Elvis is in Kane Chronicles. No, I mean that makes a million dollars of sense, which is an expression <laughs> that somehow just came out of my mouth. And I get a million dollars now. Great. Hell yes. Uh, I don't have it on me, but you know I'll get it back <laughs> to you eventually. Maybe one that maybe one day the Patreon will come through. Who knows. Uh, no, but like, actually thinking about it, first of all, I, I'm almost certain that he probably does that. Uh, second of all, he's a middle, he's like, he was like a middle school teacher. Like, Mm -hmm. he's probably taught Call of the Wild. Okay, I need to confess something. What's that? I don't know if this is like me exposing my ignorance. Uh, I thought that Jack London was made up for this book until I googled him. Really? Yeah, never heard of him before in my life. That's fascinating to me. Jack London was a big part of like just like school English classes for me. Interesting. I guess I mean as generally um we don't do American authors because of nationalism. Uh-huh. I think we did to kill a mockingbird and that was it. Well, so the big that's it really interesting actually. That's I I I think we've talked about that before, but like uh like that's i don't know something about that fascinates me Uh, but like the call of the wild very specifically is one that i read which was just about like basically about a dog like who is a sled dog no he's just like a normal dog and like he gets he goes to this wild adventure and eventually just like becomes wolf like he just like goes feral and that's basically what the entire book is about i think that's like what a lot of london's works are it's just like that here is a dog here is a wolf here is their journey and so it honestly feels like a very surface level connection of like dogs and wolves lupa like lupa the wolves this this feels like a connection i can just imagine like rick Ryden turning to his editor and going like uh uh uh-huh like saying that exact thing yes if i (laughs) if i had to like galaxy brain it i'm sure there's something i could that could be said about like modernism and maybe like the specific themes of his work and like returning to 
like nature some sort of connection to the way that like the roman stuff seems to be more like basic actually actually speaking as the kind of wanker who has uh studied like modernist stuff at university it's really fucking weird to associate him with like roman heritage tm and stuff like because a big school of thought in modernism was like the idea that civilization is not this like continual passing of the flame of knowledge kind of similar to what the heart of the west is used to symbolize well like it was more no these are just disparate civilizations that like rise up and collapse like independent of one another yeah that is strange actually i mean i guess this is one of those things that is like he probably didn't think about it that much i yeah he probably (laughs) he probably didn't which i guess is for good and for ill uh, it gives us pl- plenty to rag on him for. Wolf House is a pretty cool setting, though, I guess. I Honestly, the one connection... I'm thinking about the other Jack London thing I did read in school, which was a short story called To Build a Fire. Uh-huh. And this was basically about, like, a guy and his dog go into the Yukon and... I think like, this is a Calvin and Hobbes comic. Probably. And an old guy is like, hey, don't go out there. You'll freeze to death. And he's like, no, I won't. I know how to build a fire. And he goes out there and he builds a fire and like he and he's like, oh, cool. All right. Then he continues on his way, immediately falls into the ice, has to fucking build another fire so he doesn't die of hypothermia, but like fucks it up so much that he like freezes to death. And that's the story. And honestly, that kind of feels like a. Like, I don't know, whatever is happening with the Roman stuff core. <laughs> well, they just keep fucking up and dying? More so, like, like the hard survivalist type thing. Oh, yeah, no, I see what you mean, actually, because there is, um... I think there's a line where they say something like, yeah, Roman demigods get taken here, and then uh, if they're strong enough, they live. So I think you might be onto something there. Yeah, so that that's interesting. I don't, I don't have a lot more else to say about Jack London. It's very funny that you thought he was a fictional character. <laughs> Man, speaking of speaking of ca- fictional characters, uh, Hera really just kind of shows her whole ass during these chapters. Blush emoji. Uh, <laughs> not even in the good way. Sad. But more in like we we've been ta- we've talked a couple of times about how like. The subtext very much seems to be that despite the promises that were made to Percy at the end of Last Olympia, nothing's really changed. And that's mostly been through, like, subtext and kind of what we're hearing that Zeus has been up to and stuff like that. Uh, And then in this chapter, when Hera finds out that uh, Kion has betrayed her, her immediate reaction is just, like, screeching, self-aggrandizing elitism. Yeah, she's like, oh, what? of course this is what a D-list goddess does. Which, You're not even worthy of pouring my wine, never mind betraying me. Like, okay, pretty good line, but, like, also, incredibly, like, none of these people, none of these gods have learned anything. They are, maybe some of them have, but for the large part, and, like, the ones in power who are, like, have the most power certainly haven't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Slay Queen, Girl Boss, etc. Also, uh, you fucked up. God, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, man. The. She's such an asshole. She's just so fucking terrible. But also, it's very fun. I don't know, something about it. I just like to like read chapters with Hera in them. It's because she keeps getting owned. I think that's it. By these but also... children. She is like acting, oh, I'm the queen of the heavens, and. Leo is just like, oh yeah, you're the queen of the heavens, but you're also stuck in a box. So yeah, no, honestly, the the box is so cool because it's like there's the moment when Leo like has a spark of connection, like he is constantly his neurons are always firing, and uh, like he's like, oh, it's almost like Gaia is reaching out of the ground, and like he realizes that like the cage is like Gaia's hand. Uh huh. And I think that's such a sick image. It definitely is. And then he uh, buzzsaws through one of her fingers. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I guess if, if Gaia is the Earth, then it's probably less like a full hand and more like a 
tendon in a hand or something. I don't know. It's like some exposed muscle is what you're saying. Which also, ow. Also, it's... <laughs> Leo is doing the exposed nerve prank on a goddess with a buzzsaw. The exposed nerve prank? What the fuck are you talking about? It was a stupid fucking like animation that was going around a couple of weeks ago. Where it was just like these two weird square dudes... Uh, with one of them, like, with an exposed nerve hanging out, and one of them would just, like, yank on the exposed nerve, and the other one would scream. Ow. It was horrifying. That's terrible. It is. Anyway. There is one more big thing that's being hinted at as, like, you know, direction of the series kind of shit. Okay. And that is, uh, two different references to the fact that, like, the giants think that, uh, Kronos' plan was stupid. Oh, yes, uh, yes, yes. the best yes. way to get rid of the gods is to uh, go on a uh, mini break to Greece and blow up a bunch of Greek stuff there. Yeah. But this is very exciting in my IMO. No, I completely agree. This is a cool like change of direction. First of all, I I love the road trip shit, and so I'm excited to, like, I don't know, hopefully get more just, like, international road trip shit, I guess. Like, <laughs> the kind of stuff we hoped Kane Chronicles would be. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to get my hopes up, I guess. But, like, I, I think this is... It's it's a good way to differentiate it so that it's not immediately like, oh, this is just Kronos again. Yeah, 100%. Because I think we were even... Um, we were complaining back during the Boreas chapters that, um, like, it, it kind of felt like Rick was running out of places to go in America. So, like, just expanding the scope out like this is very welcome. Yeah. I feel like if you made a map, and I would love to, I'm, I honestly might do this sometime. Uh-huh. I feel like if you made a map at this point of just, like, everywhere the various, uh, like, Camp Half-Blood Chronicles characters have been, that it would just, like, basically cover the entire United States at this point. I feel like they haven't been to the Pacific Northwest. Weren't they there, like, in Titan's Curse for a little bit? Uh, were they? I thought that was where the, like, when they got chased by the boar or whatever. I thought that was Colorado. I think you're right. I think that was Colorado. I I think my brain somehow always places Colorado in the Pacific Northwest. I don't know why. Well, because it's snowy and cold. I guess so. So it should be north. No, I, I, I understand. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, I... I I guess I, I think you're right about that. So I, I I would like to see some hashtag PNW representation, uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm not from the Pacific Northwest. Don't don't ascribe that to me, uh, listeners in your mind. Don't do this. But uh-huh. but 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 I I just think this is a very fun plan, and also I don't know, it just makes sense to me. Like as a as a way to expand out and also to kind of like it almost simplifies the premise a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. what will they do to destroy the Greek gods? They will destroy Greece. Like, yeah, damn, yeah, makes sense. I'll do it. Uh, I'm immediately getting my hopes way up, uh, and they will surely be dashed. But I'm hoping that Greece is like the land of just absolutely bizarre primordial bullshit. Like, the the really big, well-known Greek myths are the ones that kind of travel around with the heart of the West. Uh, and all the really obscure bullshit, like, kind of Dr. Thorne, where he was, like, changing into a million different things every second. Like, all that shit is still in Greece. Oh, man. And it's just this I... absolute nightmare escape for demigods. This is Rip. Rip? This is Rick going, like, really deep on the Wikipedia hole. <laughs> Like he pulls out all the obscure names in Greece. You would have I don't I don't know if Rick Ryden can use Wikipedia. How so? Because I feel like he would have looked on Jack London's page and seen the eugenics bit. Uh, surely he knew, right? Well, probably not. Actually, I, I don't. I don't know whether it's better if he knew or not. Look, I've insulted uh, Rick Ryden's history takes on this podcast before. He is he is also a subscriber to the very bizarre nationalistic basic bitch opinion that hitler and napoleon were basically the same thing which is just an invention of like weird british nationalists and also like 
also has a lot of like American chauvinism, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. But he probably does not think eugenics is good. I would have to imagine no. I hope no. I hope no. He wrote a very like funny blog post recently. He did write three books about people with magical blood that was better than everyone else. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> don't think it, don't fucking say it. Don't think it, don't say it. Uh God, no. It was it was basically just him being like I have been reading Dante's Inferno. <laughs> Like, and he was like, I'm testing out my Italian skills. I'm going to try my own translation. I want to try and, it it was so, I don't know. There's something very like, people are always like, oh, good old uncle Rick. And I, I've, I've never really gotten that before. I'm just like, this is a, this is an author. Yeah. But, uh, this, this did feel very like reading a family members, like person, like blog posts they did about an interest (laughs) that they're doing. Just like he was, and also there was a little end at the end that was like, side note: Why don't people ever like why why hasn't why hasn't there been like a song of Achilles but for uh, Dante and Virgil? It makes a lot of sense. Like they they I think there's a lot of implications in the original text that could be drawn out that would imply them as lovers or that kind of thing, and I think that's fun. Interesting. So Rick's Rick's publicly acknowledging these these kind of things that people say about Achilles. Yes. Okay, so I'm I'm going up to my cork board. I'm pulling out some red thread. Uh, I'm I'm uh, making a line between that and the very conscious parallels between Achilles and Patroclus with uh, Silena and Clarice. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, not only that, but also I think he was specifically referencing a book that came out recently. Ah, so, right. Uh, but yes, yes, yes. Please add more to the board. <laughs> god i need i fucking need clarice so bad i need her in the next book say please please rick you've deprived us for long enough ah <sighs> i i think that might be it for me today uh yeah i think the only other thing to mention is uh jacqueline you were telling me about some like uh broader mythology stuff last week about how like the original myth of hera being captured by the giants went and uh, Rick appears to have been trying to, like, adapt this as best he can for a children's book. Yeah, no. Uh, warning for what I'm about to talk about, which involves Greek mythology, sexual assault. Uh, as uh, ever when we talk about the actual Greek myths. So the original myth here uh, is that during the Gigantamachi... Um, Porphyrion attacked Heracles and Hera, but Zeus did a spell to make Porphyrion fall in love with Hera. So Porphyrion tried to rape her, uh, but Zeus used the opportunity to strike him with a thunderbolt while Heracles killed him with an arrow. So, uh... And then along came Zeus... And then along came God, no. So, yeah, I mean, Rick is definitely trying to adapt this to a more a more kid-friendly version, for sure. Where it is just, uh, Hera is basically, like, gets a gun to head and is told to quote-unquote marry Porphyrion or uh, get consumed by the Earth. Yeah. Yeah, the, I... It's... I You truly, I suppose, cannot tell it any different way. Yeah, I... I mean, I don't. I don't even really know if I had anything to say. I just <laughs> felt like it was one of those things which should flag up as like what is happening with the adaptation of the myth. No, I agree. Like, I don't have anything to comment on it. Like, I don't think that Rick should have kept that in the book or anything. Probably not. No. I. I. I it's just an interesting. It's. It's simply interesting how it's adapted. I guess it's kind of a. Do I want to get into this? Maybe. What were you gonna say? I was gonna. It's kind of an interesting change of tack, because with um, when that kind of subject matter comes up with Medusa in um the first book, the the road that uh Rick took was to just like completely dodge roll around it and basically completely change the myth. Yeah. And in this case, I I don't know. It's interesting that he's decided to 
hew more closely to the uh, horrible original version. That that is true. I guess th- I, it's two different ways to dodge roll. I guess you're dodge rolling mm-hmm. left, you're dodge rolling right. Absolutely, he is dodge rolling either way. And again, good good on him. I'm not <laughs> I'm not ragging on him for it. But also, really quickly, this makes me think about another another thing that. This is just another, like, oh, I thought this was interesting bit. Uh, the specific reason that Hera says that Jason's dad is, like, Jupiter and not Zeus is because, like, her mom was, like, sorry, Jason's mom was so desperate, like, to see Zeus again, but she, like, imagined him this time in a new form. That's a really, like, that's a really specific wording, and I want mm-hmm. I like I want that to be explored more. Yeah, this is kind of like it's something we've been hinted at before, especially during uh, Last Olympian when Percy was having that chat with Dionysus, when he talked about like the mortals' perception of the gods, and especially like, the half blood's perception of the gods, like affecting how they actually work. And this seems to be like a much more focused and more powerful version of that where uh, Jason's mom was apparently able to like, influence what version of Zeus she got. So, this, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting thread to the way that the magic works in this universe that I'd like, I'd definitely like to see explored more. Same. I don't have, like, more to say about it than that. I just, I, that's another thing I guess I want to throw a flag up about. Like, hey, It'll let's... get developed more in future, or it won't, and we'll forget that it happened. Exactly. <laughs> but for now, I think that does it for us today. I think so. Uh, our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Uh, our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. We're hosted by the Moonshot Network. They have many wonderful, wonderful shows. You can find them at Moonshot Pods on Twitter. Uh, and if you'd like to reach us, you can do so by going to twitter.com slash nyzgirls. There we have links to our personal Twitters. You can uh, send us an email, send us a DM, do whatever you want. Uh, we also have our Discord channel. Uh, if you want to support us, you can leave us a five-star rating or review. You can tell your friends about us, or you can go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls, where for just a dollar a month, you'll get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. For $3 a month, you'll get the Discord role of Friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our bonus content. Yep, uh, on the last episode of the bonus podcast, uh, we went through every single one of the Dancestors from Homestuck uh, and decided whether or not they deserve to get kicked into a burning lake. So if that sounds appealing to you in any way, shape, or form. That's right. Uh, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord role of Venus's Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank uh, Tana, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And, as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. Bye bye. Bye.